I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. You're here for a weekend update for the week ending August 14, 2020. What do we have on the docket today? We have the same thing on the docket that we've had for several days in a row. We have a market that's in an uptrend, but we are at a pretty critical juncture in the market. The week closed. We're going to take a look at some weekly charts across the board. A couple of things we've been discussing on the daily chart. A. We still have, technically speaking, the reversal candle that took place on the 11th just the other day, earlier this week. That candle had a high of 337.54. We still have not closed a day above that high. So what are we doing with that information? Right now, that information is an awareness. It doesn't really hold as much water as, for example, the uptrend. We talked about that in the Thursday night video. And guess what? Just like the trend on the daily chart is certainly more powerful and more meaningful than one day candle on the 11th, the same thing applies to the weekly charts, which is why we look at them. The weekly chart is five times the daily chart. The trend is more powerful than a one day candle. The weekly chart is more powerful than the daily charts. So we revert to the larger time frame to see what the bigger picture really is saying. Do we have any change on the daily chart? Net, net, no change. It was a very narrow ranging day on Friday, and that's typical. It's the summer doldrums. The volume is very, very light. The day finished with 47 million shares in the SPY. Now, what you can also see here is the volume was heavier on the down day on the 11th, and since then has essentially tapered off. A lot of people make commentary and they think that low volume means the market's going to collapse. It's actually the opposite. If you think about it and you actually do the homework, and here's a monthly chart of the SPY, and even if you just go back to 2011, not the bottom from 09, but a bottom from 2011, you can see that the volume essentially, with obviously spikes in between, but the volume tapers off over time as the market's going up. When you go to the daily chart, you'll notice that the market rises on light volume. It doesn't collapse on light volume. The market declines on heavy volume. However, I want to speak to volume for a second and coupled with the summer doldrums. So when the volume is light, any kind of spark, whether it's a positive or a negative spark, meaning the market's going to go up, or the market's going to go down. Any sudden spark can send the market a lot of points in a hurry if volume floods into the market when there is light volume. So we have to have an awareness that any sudden jolt in the market can move the market in a hurry. Let's also discuss the all-time highs. Just as a refresher, we go back to February for the all-time highs, and it was February 19th. The closing price was 338.34. The high was 339.08. So basically, we're a chip shot away at present from those highs. So here's the scenario. The market's grinding up. It's playing games with the all-time high. They haven't done it yet. Is it a sign they won't do it? Will they fail? 
Will Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew show up next week to drop the market? Will they never breach the all-time high? It's possible. It's an awareness. We have to be aware of that scenario. It's one of two scenarios. The other scenario is they bust through. They go higher than the all-time highs. Maybe they get up to the fat numbers we discussed, 3,400 in the S&P E-mini futures contract and 340 in the SPY. Maybe higher, maybe a couple of points higher in the SPY, maybe 20 or 30 handles higher in the ES. Something like that. Remember, the big fat round numbers act magnetic. The all-time highs certainly are acting magnetic. We also know something else, and we discuss this from time to time when these type of scenarios where the market's hovering around an important spot. We discuss the fact that a lot of times... The market, when it's having trouble trading through an area, whether it be in the northern direction or the southern direction, what'll happen is we'll just wake up one day and they'll be gapping above the all-time high or they'll be dropping through the floor. Whatever it is, if they can't trade through it, they'll gap above or below it. The longer they hang out and eat time off the clock, near the all-time highs with the moving averages creeping up every single day, the longer that goes on, the more likely it is that we're going to wake up to a gap above the all-time high. They're going to start going. You'll get a little bit of panic buying sprinkled in, some short squeezing sprinkled in. FOMO, fear of missing out, is a subset of panic buying. They'll bring out the streamers and party hats on CNBC. And you can use your imagination on the host of other things that take place when they do bust through the all-time highs. We've been referring to the weekly chart all week long, saying we got to wait for the weekly close to see what happens. And they closed bullish. There's no two ways about it on the week. However, we do know that time is more important than price. And therefore, we are watching for some kind of trend change to occur. Again, it's an awareness We know the routine. We're looking for signs and signal of a trend change. But what we're looking for is some characteristics to show up. So, for example, if one day, just as a hypothetical, we get a gap in crap. So the market gaps up, craps out, finishes on the low, has a pickup in volume. We begin to see the character of the market change. That happens on a daily chart first. What we would then see on the weekly chart as the week goes on into the end of the week is we would see a spike above the all-time highs, finishing the week below the all-time highs, obviously on both charts, daily and weekly. But on the weekly chart, we would then realize, and this is an awareness at present, that time is more important than price, and we have in the front of mind the weekly chart. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, It's all discussed and taught in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. The other awareness thing that we have to have in our, at least, back of mind is when it feels really, really wrong, it's generally right. And the flip side, when it feels really, really right, it's generally wrong. So, for example, let's say they do spike up through the all-time highs and they go up another 20 or 30 handles in the S&P. At the time, it's going to feel like you need to hop on board because you're missing the train leaving the station. That's the design of the market. Who's the designer? The trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. 
You know what happens next. From whatever price it happens from, when the last trader, when the last investor buys Apple, you can set your watch by it. That's the top of the market. How do you know when the last investor buys Apple? You're not going to know. That's why we have to use signs and signal of a trend change. The only thing we really have is the mother-in-law indicator as far as Apple goes. Let's check out inside the numbers. The pre-market commentary was just noting that they ran a test of some important stuff overnight. The range expanded a little bit, so we were looking for a little more volatility today. Didn't really get it, but we were looking. So let's see what was in the early thoughts. The spot down south was where they visited overnight, 33.50, in the SPY. On the north side, we're interested in 33.75, 337.60. We know about 337 from the prior days, and you'll see 337 come up as the day gets rolling. But these are kind of the brackets, if you will, if they spike them at the open, 337.60, and if they drop them at the open, 3350 or 335 so you have to kind of know what your outside brackets are where the end of the range should be on the south and the north side getting started showing up in uniform ready to go moving right along the bottom line with the S&P today and here's the visual you know the routine this is a 15 minute chart today right at the vertical today's activity and you can see here's the range they never got to the top of the range and they never got to the bottom of the range. And you remember from the daily chart, the high and the low really weren't that far apart today. It was a narrow ranging day. We never got an expansion in volatility. They just did it overnight. That was it. What you will see in the notes, however, is if you move the resistance down to 337, you'll note that it was important still yet again, and closing below 337 was trouble for the market. Not necessarily trouble in terms of a collapse but it took the bullish case off the table it was 337 to 337.60 this is what you'll find when we go back to the notes and on the downside below 337 it opened the door for some of the lower numbers they just never actually got there we'll also get to stocks on the move you see one as a sneak peek or two of them GSX and DraftKings DKNG DraftKings was of the rocket ride variety. We'll get back to that later. Moving along. So you'll see a theme, obviously a narrow ranging day. We're not going to spend too much time on the notes. And by the way, it was a shortened day as a result of the lack of movement in the market. But 337 is a repeating theme. There's nothing else that we can do except provide the numbers in preparation for whatever the market is going to do. This actually began to play out in the afternoon, but somewhere around 11 o'clock, you start thinking about what are they actually doing? What is the day going to unfold like? So you have this channel here, and they went to the top of the channel. They went down toward the bottom. They went back up at the end of the day. They never really did anything, but it helps to get a visual of what's going on from a big picture perspective once the day has a couple of hours under its belt, moving right along. And what happens here is just basically a recap, a schematic. Here are the numbers. You know what's going on. I'm leaving. I got stuff to do. And then into the end of the day, there's nothing going on. So in the summer doldrums, I take the liberty. That is part and parcel to the life of a trader. 
The reason why there's not a lot of activity Friday afternoon in the summer is because there's not a lot of activity in Friday afternoon in the summer. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. How about stocks on the move? We had five names on the board today, and all five hit their entry targets. Not necessarily all in the manner in which we would prefer, but they all hit. We're going to look at all five charts, and we're going to do some lessons learned. By the way, before we get off the SPY, this was a picture after the fact of what I drew halfway through the day. And you can see that actually worked out before the day was out. They tried to rally it back, but you could see they just went toward the top of the channel a couple of times. And then later on in the afternoon, they fell down, completing what is generally a bearish wedgish pattern. We talk about these a lot. First one on the list was Nova, Sonova Energy. So it came into the number at the end of the day. Really doesn't count. What's interesting here is closed at 24.29. The number was 24.30. Any accidents or coincidences? Probably not. That number today was a destination. Just did it at the end of the day. Doesn't count. How about DraftKings? This was a rodeo today. And this doesn't really tell the tale. We'll tell the tale in a minute. But this stock today gave any trader that wanted to trade this stock at either of the numbers, it gave the deal almost as many times as you wanted it. The stock was all over the place. It kept coming back no matter what happened. Speaking of what happened, now we go down to a one-minute chart because you have to get the visual of what actually happened. So DraftKings is hovering above the number by the opening bell. So let me say something on that because I get a lot of questions on this. So I do discuss this here, but for whatever reason, traders asking the question through email just aren't hearing it here. But it's important, so I'll do it again. Let's say a stock is hovering over the number near the opening bell. It's telling you one of two things. A, it's either the number, that's going to be it, and they're going to go on a rocket ride, or they're going to screw you, hit the number, and continue down south. So when a number is hovering or a stock is hovering above the number right near the opening bell, it increases the risk. So what do we do when that happens? Well, when you have two price targets, you still do the same thing. You can take half at one and half at the other, but you can also do it with a reduced or smaller position size, smaller share size as a result of the increased risk. That's part and parcel to running it as a business. In this case... They were telling us that was a number, the number, at least the number right out of the gate. And here's what happened. Hits the number, goes just a touch lower, making a low of 33.75. And a minute later, it's at a high of 35.50. 35.50. Almost two bucks in a flash. Here's a five-minute chart. Comes down again. Now, this is where it becomes a rodeo. I don't know if any traders did the double dip. On the dip at the second number, I did not. But at the second number, they dip below. Works anyway. Take it off to another rocket ride. DraftKings. Nice trade. How about Baidu? This one didn't come into the number in the manner in which we prefer. The low here was 115.93. My number was 115.69. They bounced away and then came back down. But the takeaway is the number worked like a charm. They're at 117, I believe 66 on the high. So that's a $2 bounce from the entry. Just the point of the whole thing, whether you took the trade or not. 
you have to think about it like this. The stock closed the prior day at 124.65. It opens the day around 119 and trades lower. It finds support before it finds the number. Why was this the number? That's the value in what we're doing here. You have to know your numbers. How about GSX? Another rodeo in a way. But this is giving you the deal. Same routine. Stock closes on Thursday at 100 bucks even. Big haircut at the open. 88.15, 87.04. The low in this candle wasn't there. It was 87.15. But look what happened. A high of 91.30 minutes later. Basically, the way the email indicator works is we had a bucket full of traders on GSX, another bucket full on DraftKings, and there was a third bucket with traders that had both. A little bit below in the midday session, right back above, and you can see that this general zone was certainly important. By the way, this little rocket ride at the end of the day, this end of the day jam session that took place to get back above 88.15 or back above some other number that they wanted to get back above. Is that an accident or a coincidence or does that mean something? To me, the way I look at the markets, that means something. Everything they do means something. Every price movement a stock has or a market has means something. Today, what this meant to me was they wanted to close above a certain number, an important number. For me, 88.15, 87.04, that was a zone, but 88.15 was an important number and they wanted to close above it. So that tells me there's a chance GSX went through at least a short-term bottoming process today. Close daily below Friday's low, no dice. But that's what the daily chart really is saying. Made a nice low, put in a tail candle, a little bit of a pseudo-doji candle. By the way, this look familiar? Here it is. So this stock was eating time off the clock. It ran up, big breakout, came right back in to where? The former breakout area. Have we ever seen this before? Traders will ask me, where do you get your numbers from? My answer is, I use everything in the bag. Every chart has a purpose. I'm using the daily chart. I'm using an hourly chart. I'm using intraday short-term charts to come up with the numbers. Everything that's taught in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, everything that's reviewed in these videos, the continuing education, everything is used. Last but certainly not least is IQ. You see the routine. Look where this thing closed. 2168, number is 1831, and the number was pretty much within pennies, spot on. Is that a low? Is that a tail candle? Is that a former breakout area coming back to pay a visit? You think? How about Camp IWM? What's going on over here? Anything different? Anything new? Materialize on Friday? No, absolutely not. The daily chart is in an uptrend, that's for sure. So the moving averages are moving up. We have this reversal candle, the same as the SPY for the most part. But think about it. We're yet to have a rejection. All they're really doing is going sideways. So here's what happened. They ran up and they're just pulling back, eating some time off the clock, allowing the 20 period moving average, which we like to call home base, allowing that time to move up toward price, price moving slightly sideways to downward, moving into home base. So this is not a bearish move, but yet this is a bullish move. 
it's kind of the beginning phases of maybe recocking the gun. What about the weekly chart? What's going on over here? Well, last week they blew past the moving averages. That's bullish in and of itself, especially when they got all the way up to and past this breakdown candle high. They closed above it. That's bullish, right? So here we have a tail candle, but we have another breakdown candle high somewhere up in this zone above 160, 163, 162, whatever it's going to be. What's the breakdown candle high? 162.91. Will they get there? If everything across the tape is bullish, they'll get there. But again, remember the conversation. Is this going to be a lower high scenario? Here's a high. Are they going to somewhere in here at some point or already have make a lower high? Lower highs result in stuff like this. So we don't know yet, but these are all awareness things. This is why we look at the weekly chart. These are puzzle pieces. They are absolutely on the table. Remember this one? We talked about this the other day, RSP. This is the equal weight S&P, non-confirmation signal. Breakdown candle high, another breakdown candle high. This chart looks almost identical to the weekly chart of the IWM. Now, the IWM is in a different position, but look at the candles, look at the chart. It's almost the same. However, we have to note that we are getting, at least from where I sit, I'm calling this a non-confirmation signal because of the health and breadth of the S&P 500. Here's an image of the daily chart. Obviously, the same deal. It just looks different. Here's the high. Here's a lower high. Now, it's in an uptrend. Certainly, they could have another push higher. They could get above the highs. That's fine. What we're doing is identifying stuff that looks a little strange, put it on the table, make it a puzzle piece, and if something changes, that's fine. But it is what it is, so we take it at face value today. What about the folks down at the transportation department? So they had a positive day up about 73 points. They're at the recent highs, well above the moving averages. Everything's in an uptrend, but there's a lot of space here. So they can certainly come down a little bit, have some time to eat some time off the clock or have some room, I should say, to eat some time off the clock. There's technically nothing wrong with this market. The weekly chart, let's assess what we have. So we got above a breakdown candle high and we closed above a gap. That's all bullish stuff. So you have to take the transports at face value. The transports are my second favorite market leading indicator next to the IWM. They're the A number one canary in the coal mine. So when they're bullish and they're leading the market, you have to take note. When they're bearish and they're leading the market, you have to take note. Right now, they're bullish and leading the market. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Also, let's note this. Look at the volume down at the bottom. The last three weeks in a row have had increasing volume on the upside, not decreasing like some other markets. That tells you there's institutional participation. Maybe it's short-lived. Maybe it's not. Again, it is what it is today. Just to do the compare and contrast routine, the S&P 500, or this is the spider volume, was not increasing each week over the last three weeks. Increased this week over last week, but not the same as the transports. Nothing we can do with that information in and of itself. These are all awareness things. They all get funneled into the bucket. 
and then you wonder why inside my head is a dangerous place to be. Look what's in there. My wife was telling me something before and I told her, listen, I'm at capacity, it's not going to stick. The reality is I just didn't want to talk about whatever she was talking about. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people? It's in an uptrend, there's been no change, we can't make any heads or tails out of yesterday or today. So what we're going to do with this daily chart is say, no change, move it along. Weekly chart, is that a candle we need to be concerned with? Maybe, maybe not. I doubt it. It's a market that's extended. They're too far from home base. At some point, they're going to come back. When? We'll let them tell us with a sign or signal of a trend change. That's just the way it is. About the financials. So they had at least a positive day today. There's nothing technically wrong with the financials on the daily chart. It's in an uptrend, but similar to some of the other markets we looked at, we're in a lower high scenario. So when you pull back the curtain a little bit and you look at this objectively, you say, all right, so we've got the S&P at highs, we've got the Qs at highs, and then we've got some non-confirmation stuff going on. We've got the RSP, which is the equal weight index. We have the XLF, which has a potential for a lower high. We have the IWM that has the potential for a lower high. We have a bullish transport. We have a lot of stuff going on pointing in both directions. Normally, when that happens is you're going to get both things. You're going to get a spike higher, make new highs. They're going to suck everybody in. They're going to trick, trap, fool, and frustrate everybody at some price north of the big fat round numbers, 340 in the spider, 3400 in the ES. And then they're also going to subsequently come back down and both things are going to end up being meaningful. That's my take in the scenario. I don't know that for a fact. Nobody can know that for a fact. This is a schematic that I have in my mind. It's crowded, but it's in there. What about Smash Mouth? Same routine. It's in an uptrend. It's hard to make anything out of 18 cents down on a $170 exchange traded fund. So you know what we'll do with that? We'll say it's in an uptrend and we'll move it along. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is absolutely true and absolutely accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.